Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. I'm joined by my wife, Carrie. Hi, dear. Hey, Tom. Carrie, we're going to give an update on uh, how things have been going with the with the keto challenge. And uh, also, uh, we're going to talk about a month for greatness. I like that. That's kind of a cool sounding thing. Let's see if it can make it real, though. And um, I've got a couple of stories to share. These are fascinating, Carrie, stories you've never heard before. Excellent. Yeah, get ready to be surprised. I am getting ready to be entertained. Nice. We'll, we'll do our best to do that today on the program. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you, and I praise you for the gift of another day. I thank you for the gift of Mary to be our uh, blessed mother, to be for us the mother of our spiritual lives. And Mother Mary, we do ask that you'd pray for us, pray with us, and pray for our children, especially those that most are in most of need of your motherly intercession and care. Um, Mother Mary, we thank you for your immaculate heart, for your total yes to the Lord in all things. And give us that, pray for us that we would have that same grace, that we would be so docile and receptive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord Jesus, we want to be saints. And Lord, we want to, we want, to want even more to be saints. Help that desire to become focused in us. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, a month for greatness. How does that sound? So, uh, that was my, I don't, know if it, I don't know if it was a lame attempt, but it was an attempt to try to focus our kids back again. Uh, they had about a month left before school started, and they had made halting, faltering, start and stop kind of attempts on some of their uh, summer goals. So it's like, well, let's get them to do something for a month. Let's really up our game and let's up our game together. You know, it's like, um, what, do you, what do you do to motivate your kids? Right? What do you do to get kids who aren't motivated to do the things that are really good for them? Things like reading the classics or other good books. Carrie, I, I, I have to admit, you do a, a really good job at that. Like, how many times have you said, kids, we're going to go to the library and we're going to come back with a bunch of books to try to inspire them to read, like to spend time reading. And, and it's amazing the number of times I've come in and I've seen different kids in our house reading one or other volume of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. <laughs> uh, you can inspire them to read if you give them time on their screens. Yeah, it's, a, it's a backwards motivation. Kind of the trade-off, yeah. Well, and so I think we were trying to give them like a, a different vision. Like I know that I, I've been using the motivation of sports that 
hey, look, don't you want to like excel in uh, on the team that you're playing for, like in the fall on your school? Because you know that a lot of kids, you know, play on these teams or go and watch these games. And wouldn't you want to be able to be on the on the varsity? And wouldn't you want to like, you know, do a good job? Right. I- just think kids don't quite get there until they're in high school. Like they just want to go out and catch bugs and color with chalk and play with the dog and just kind of pass time. They don't really have this like, hey, we want to set some goals and get to the next level up and to the left. Yeah. I don't even know if I want them to strive to go up and to the left. Now, of course, I want them, everyone to eat healthier and take a nice walk. Read a good prayer book. Well, Carrie, so here's a for instance. Um, I was in Yakima serving the client that I serve, and uh, I was in the hotel room. I was talking to you on the phone, and I had turned on the TV, um, and the volume was off, but ESPN was on, and they were having the Little League World Series, and there's this kid. He's like a phenom. I don't know his name. What does phenom mean? A phenomenal player, oh, a phenom. Oh, a phenom. Is that like a... you never heard that before? No. Oh, that's so interesting. A phenom is like, you know, a, a, like an emerging superstar, someone that's a phenomenon, like, wow, a spectacle. And so this kid, he he's a left-handed, lanky 12-year-old who is, just has, is an amazing pitcher for his age. It's he's not... going to peak too early. He'll he... be done by the time he's 16. They, they're not playing this right. <laughs> well... The kid has like six no-hitters or five no-hitters and almost a sixth no-hitter. And this is against all these other best teams in the country that made it this far into the world's, into this level of the Little League World Series. So it's really stunning what he's done. It, like They were showing he's pitched like 143 innings and given up one hit, and that was to a friend of his. Um, and he has like five walks and 120 strikeouts. It's just crazy, his numbers. No one can get a hit off him. And um, and they were interviewing him after the game. And sure enough, the kid wasn't talking about, oh, yeah, well, when I'm not playing baseball, I'm collecting bugs and hanging around and watching screen time and all that. He's like, you know, my family has been supportive of me, and, and I have, you know, from the youngest age, worked really, really hard. The kid's 12, right? <laughs> He's going to peak at 16. <laughs> yeah, but the kid has already had that sense of, He's determined, he's focused, he's got a goal, he's driven, he's got parents that have, I'm sure, pushed him and pulled him and prodded him, but he also has run with it. So it's really interesting to see how certain kids have that interior disposition, that drive to excel and achieve, and and other kids, good luck, right? It's just much more they're going to rely on their own natural gifting if they have it. I think there's a way in which us as parents need to be chill with that. Like, it's okay if you don't want to be the next Einstein or you don't want to get the 20 an hour dollar job or you don't want to, I don't know, be the valedictorian. Like, I think I really feel like that is a cultural um, mishap. Like, I think we're tempted as parents to push our kids And I just don't find great love and great joy in that. (laughs) I find it as a burden and a disappointment. Maybe I'm just talking about my own kids. No, I I don't know. There's something about it that I just feel is not good. It's not healthy. And I don't, I shouldn't say that because maybe 
there's people out there, out there that are in the Olympics or they're like on all-star teams or they're amazing violinists or pianists or whatever and are in theater. And I think that's awesome. But I guess there's also this sense that our kids feel like they're not living up to our vision of how they should be. Yeah. I think that we have, we've surrendered a lot of that. Like we were there. <laughs> if you think we're bad now, you should you have think seen we're how bad, bad we're way we better than be. we used to be. <laughs> Honestly, that's a, that's a really a good way of saying it. We're way better than we used to be. It's wisdom. We've gained wisdom. It's experience. being crushed down and <laughs> and humbled and it's all just, that. And we failed so much that we just stopped. <laughs> I think that no, but I think that um, I have and and you have linked the concept of like excelling in whatever to the concept of discipline sacrifice, self-denial, pursuit of some something noble, something good, something that mark that has a, a mark of excellence. Um, I think you can do it easier if your kids are on a team and they're around peers that are doing it. It's really difficult, even in a big family, to motivate kids to do any array of things, whether it's physical, spiritual, it's chores, it's academic. That's why people put their kids on teams because it's all set up it's all organized we're not the ones annoying them and bugging them it's their coaches so that's the brilliance of having your kids in some kind of training yeah well it's uh so we're trying to accomplish this this month in this month leading up to the start of school okay just be fair i wasn't here when you had that meeting Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I was in Steubenville, so I just saw a big chart in the living room when I came home with all sorts of times and reps and layout of plans. And the kids, I just hear them outside running up the street, running down. Today, John Mark called you and said, so dad, we played tennis. Does that count for our workout? <laughs> I was like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, I and and so it has made a difference because I think all the kids have been doing it together, right? They've been the kids that are still sort of on the trail are are working out more. So that that has been a positive thing. Um, I've I think I, I think we've also um, I, what I've said to them is I'm going to up my game, right? It's one of those things where the leader, the, the one who's in charge, will often need to do more than what they're asking of those who follow. Right, so it's just one of those basic leadership principles. If you want, if you want the crowd to go forward two steps, you've got to go forward four or five steps, and that will create the pull forward. So I've been doing a lot more rigorous, even than I have been running, um, and um, added in other exercise and letting you know, not drawing a lot of attention to it, but they're seeing it, and so. Um, they're they're noticing the physical impact on me as well. Like I, I'm physically getting in better shape. What have you given your weight lately? I have not. No. So I hit um, yesterday. I hit forty pounds lost, which is pretty cool. That is that your best? Was yesterday your best? Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, are I, you going to say the number of pounds that you no, are? No, not until I is get that down. too personal. I still. Yeah. <laughs> I might uh, have found a couple of pounds you lost. I think. I, <laughs> I think I want to get, it's funny because I would normally stop six pounds from now. Uh, no, four pounds from now would, would have been my old goal. And I want to actually get 15 pounds, um, 16 pounds less. So I actually want to get back to our my wedding weight. I've never been back on my wedding weight before. 
So if I can do that, then I will be amazed. Um, I'll be, I, it'll be really cool. And um, my kids, my boys, who have still never beaten me one-on-one in basketball, are going to say, Dad, you do realize if you do that, that you're going to lose your only advantage you have, which is your weight. That's <laughs> <laughs> your only advantage. It's my only advantage <laughs> is that I just bully them and I just force my way down close to the basket and score, So, which is pretty humbling. But um, I, it for me, this is just one of those things, folks, if you're listening, like, look, um, sometimes you, you create big challenges for yourself or for your family, maybe for you and your spouse or for your kids. Like maybe you had one for the year or for the summer. Well, you know, we did and we have, and it's like, okay, we only made partial progress. Well, let's chunk it down now. Let's just do it for a month. And you didn't start at the beginning of August. You're like in the middle of August to the middle of September, correct? Right. Yeah. We were just, we were using it based on the idea that there, there's a month before school starts. So let's just use that month and let's just do something different. Like let's use this last month and do something different. I missed mass today and we're doing the month of August, making an effort to go to mass every day. No, no, not making an effort. We made a commitment. See, this is accountability. Wait, what's the difference? We're not trying. I am trying. No, you're not trying. No, you can't. Come on, Yoda. This is St. Yoda. (laughs) St. Yoda said, do or don't do. There is no try, right? So... Uh, this happens all the time in terms of folks saying they're going to be accountable to do something. Yes. They'll say, well, I tried my best. I think I, I should try. If I went in the military, I would have like a better sense of keeping my word, like no gray area there. Yeah. It's, it's speaking in the language of commitments. Okay. And it's one of those things where it's something I teach leaders to do, like speak and listen for language of commitment and accountability. And if they don't give you a language of commitment, accountability, the commitment that they're going to be accountable for, then ask them for it. So like, hey, will you get that done um, next week? Well, yeah, I, I, I should be able to get it done by Wednesday. So are you saying that you will have it done on Wednesday? You'd be an annoying boss yeah. if you were my boss. No, it's, it is. <laughs> I, it's just my temperament. But I did not mean to miss Mass. I went to the church and there was no one in the parking lot and the church was dark. Is that what happened? Yeah, I had the wrong time again. I keep That's messing. right. It's Thursdays don't have 5.30. Uh, that We messed that up the last two Thursdays, Carrie. Oh. The only times we've missed Mass <laughs> is the same day of the week, and I don't know why. I'm going to learn it eventually, but I got to go to adoration. You realize this is the last Thursday of the month, so. Wait. Oh, yes. We're almost done. Okay. Well, I'll let you know how it's going at the well, end. So the commitment, the commitment has been go to mass every day, which doesn't seem like a huge deal, right? But it is really something I have to think about every night before I go to bed. Okay, what's my schedule tomorrow? Where can I get to mass? Well, and I, this is what I, I was going to Yakima and I was spending the, I spent the night, I got back today. This is Thursday. I'm back. And I made sure like I was going to leave and go an overnight on Tuesday night into Wednesday to go to the 7 a.m. morning mass because I wasn't going to have another chance to go. I was actually going to spend a night in a hotel and drive out to Yakima just so I could make it to the mass that morning because I was not going to have another chance. But I found a mass uh, at um, 5.30 in the evening in Spanish. <laughs> and so I, I, I was like, senor. okay, I don't need Padre, to... Padre, matre. I don't, well, I said, it's kind of like going to Latin, right? <laughs> so... I so, think I understand the Spanish I mass know, better. I, it was fine. But I ended up going to, uh, to the Spanish mass um, on Wednesday. And then 
Thursday morning I woke up and, and I, what, and this is basic Jesuit principle of, of planning. If you want to discern, like if you got to plan well, um, you know, you have a, a time that you're going to set and then you have a backup time. And so I realized that, oh, I could go at seven in the morning or I could go at 1215 or I could go at 530 with you. But um, I ended up changing my coaching schedule around just so that I could get to the 12 o'clock mass. And so it would, that's a really interesting thing to say, I'm going to professionally shift my schedule around just so that I keep my commitment. And it's a very interesting thing when that happens. Right, back in a minute, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So, Carrie, we were talking just before the break about going to Mass, and, and I made the decision today. I said, I'm going to shift around my schedule so I can get to Mass at noon. And in doing that, it freed me up to wake up and take prayer time in the morning. Instead you're of flexing now. Now you're just... <laughs> no, but I, I want to tell you this story. This okay. is kind of a really cool story. I told you I had a story right. that you didn't know before. And I, I've got this, I've got this, like, it's kind of a, a relic. It's a relic meaning an old thing. That, that little piece I'm, of paper there? I'm going to share it with you. You, uh, you have to be very careful It looks with like it. a bug. Okay, just stop. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm blocking <laughs> it. Okay. So... I have my I have my liturgy of the hours here, my four volume liturgy of the hours, right, um, and uh, the divine office, and so I've been praying it and using the book rather than the app, because there's something that it gets me off the screen, excellent, and, and just the feel of the pages, and then the memory that I've had these books since 1986, so I've had these books for 35 years, and. Um, I've been doing something different in my morning prayer with the Liturgy of the Hours. I've been praying the uh, Invitatory Psalm and the Office of Readings. Now that might sound like, what, what's the big deal there? Well, normally, and in my custom for these decades, when I have prayed the Liturgy of the Hours was to pray morning prayer, because that's the first hinge hour. Office of readings would have been prayed at typically like four in the morning. You think I don't know this? Of course you do. You're knew explaining this, this you, to me as if what? I So I don't know this. So I I hadn't Wait, did you just say at four in the morning? Yeah, so the monks would get up in the middle of the night, right? They're sanctifying like the, the whole day. Right. So they get up at four in the morning, they pray the liturgy of the hour, they pray the office of readings, then they go back to bed for an hour. Um, and then they get back up and then they'll like have a like prayer time, like a, like their own personal prayer time mass. And then they'll do morning prayer. And then they go through and they'll pray like either mid-morning, midday or mid-afternoon prayer. And then they play evening prayer, the other hinge hour and then night prayer. So we've prayed night prayer sometimes as a family. And so, um, so I've been praying the office of readings 
And so the office of readings is, is a little different than morning prayer because it has not only um, you know, a few psalms at the beginning, but it'll have a, a reading of scripture and then it'll have a reading from like a saint typically or a church document or a pope. And um, when I opened it up um, this morning, I opened it up and there was this tiny little leaf in my Liturgy of the Hour. Now I'm going to hand it to you. It was in my breviary. Please put out your two hands like you're receiving, you used to receive communion. Oh, is this a special? Is this from yes. Mother Teresa? No. Is this just... from the Pope? Okay. Okay. So I want you to look at that. Okay. It looks like a, oh, the wing. Oh, I just, it broke. It did not, you well, did not do, break it. I didn't mean to break it. It's oh, just like, my look at it. It's like, like fluttered apart. It looks like the wing of a moth. No, it's a, it's a little piece of a leaf. I'm just, saying it looks like a moth leaf and there's a word or something yeah what's the word it. uh can't even tell it starts with the f patre petra 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 okay yeah i can barely read it so i saw it and i lost my breath i'm like oh my goodness <laughs> okay thing. now here's the story okay hold on it was in august this is august okay of 1987 and I was in Alba de Torres in Spain, and I was making a retreat, a several-day-long private retreat at a Discalc Carmelite monastery where Mother, uh, Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint Teresa of Avila, was the Mother Superior, and where her, um, I think her heart is, or her head is, or some part of her body is there. <laughs> <laughs> some portion of of saint Teresa. okay uh, uh saint Teresa of avila is there it is odd when you go to europe when we went through all the different churches that you have like the elbow the the kneecap the arm of the oh, finger come on they're so inspiring the tongue like of of anthony of padua spread all over europe it's just the oddest thing if it's nothing the religious orders loved their founders i'm just saying it's so, not like that in the united states saints. If you go to Europe, it's like they are dismembered everywhere. Anyhow. Okay, so um, so I had that summer spent a month studying Spanish, living with the family, and studying at the University of um, Salamanca, Pontifical University of Salamanca. And then I um, backpacked, um, like stayed in hostels um, with a, some seminarian friends, Fa Father Terrence, Terrence Moran, nice. and um, a couple other guys. And these guys, the couple guys I was with, very fervent guys. So we went to um, Lourdes together. I'm sorry, we went to Fatima, and we did the walking on our knees. And it was really very powerful because we were fasting. Like I was like all in. Are, Are you ready you? to do this again? Oh, it was really, it was really powerful. So I did all of this. this I was doing this like rigorous fasting with these guys. You know, you talk about it takes other guys to do things. So we were like, live for God, live for God, you know, holy life on our knees, do that quarter mile walk on your knees in Fatima and, you know, all of that. And so I go from that into this multi-day retreat where I'm praying for hours a day. And, um, uh, and I, I've got three stories to tell. Now, at this point, are you like, I'm going to be a priest? Or are you still like, oh, I'm yeah. not sure if I want to be a priest? Oh, no, no, no. I'm called I'm, to that. I'm like, well, well I just... Like I'm, I love Jesus. Is like, this your third year in the seminary, or fifth? this was? I was uh, after I had finished my first year oh. in Rome. Okay, so it was my third year. Finished my third year in the seminary. First year in Rome. They make you stay 
in Europe. Oh, they st- you can't come back to the U.S. Um, poor you. Poor me. You had so to I had stay. To, I had to travel around Italy, Europe. Yeah, France. it was it was a really hard life. So, um, so here I am, Alba de Torres, living with the monks um, that with, with the friars, the Discalced Carmelite friars that are there, and um, and uh, so one story involved Petra. So I was taking a walk one day and I went out into this like little plaza area. It was really beautiful. And there were a couple of teenagers there. And um, I just started to talk to them. And, um, and so they were like, who are you? And, you know, they're fascinated by the American. And so I'm a seminarian and I'm here making a retreat. And uh, at this point, my Spanish is pretty good, right? Because I, I just, I've been living you've in been Rome. studying it for six well, weeks. Been, well, I'd been, no, I had studied two years in, um, in Boston before I went to Rome. And then I was studying in Italian in Italy. So, and then a month living with a family and studying Spanish. I was, it was, it was, at that point I was doing pretty well. So having this fascinating conversation and I heard these teenage girls uh, talking to me. Um, and I only remember two things. The two things when I saw that is I remembered that this girl named Petra, I said, I'm going to pray for you. So she wrote down her name on that little uh, little leaf and gave it to me, and I put it into my breviary. And I hadn't seen it there in 35 years until I opened up the Office of Readings for today, and it was slid into that page. Now, how cool is that? What does that tell you? I just, uh, so... She needs extra prayers. No, here's week. the other thing, is that, well, I was talking to the two girls, and they pointed out a boy, a teenage boy that was nearby, and they're like, oh, he's really guapo. What does guapo mean? Handsome. Really handsome. Muy guapo. And this is what they said, oh, he's really handsome, Muy but he guapo. knows it. Y fuerte. So they said, <laughs> <laughs> honey, how much Spanish do you know? <laughs> mucho, mucho. But, yeah. <laughs> que so quieres? They're like, que well, quieres? See, so this was the thing, it's like, oh, he's really handsome, but he knows it. So he's got this attitude, like he's really too cool for his own good. And, um, and so I prayed for them today. I prayed for them today. And I'm like, I, there's a way in which God has this beautiful mystery of connecting us with people in a moment. And then at another moment, calling them back to mind for his reasons, for his purpose, that there's a, like, a a providential care that the Lord has that here's how I want to even say it. That woman or that guy or both of them needed some spiritual help today. And the Lord 35 years ago set it up such that I would encounter that today so that I would pray for them and that they would have that spiritual source of intercessory connection to release a grace. Now, I just love that because that makes like the life of faith such a drama. You have great faith, for sure. Yeah. So so that's story one. And so I just, I share that with you people just to say, you may have a passing encounter with someone and just think it's only a passing encounter. But the Lord can plant those people into your heart, plant them in your mind and say, pray for them. And so there are people, there are four people that I pray for. Uh, uh, and there are people that I had just this glancing encounter with, and I pray for them. Um, there, I was flying on a plane one time, and I looked down, 
and it was, must have been, you know, 25,000 feet, and it was over whatever. <laughs> and I saw this car. I saw this car turn you're, into you're a driveway. Goofy. Are you serious? Dri- and I, I pray for them. The, the people the in that I don't in even know car. who they are. And I pray for the people in that car. <laughs> you are sounding so listen, quack. I know. This is awesome. These are the people that God has planted in my heart. A car that's 25,000 yeah. feet below. God, I'm like, God had me see that car. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know who's in that car, but you bless them. And so I have kept them in my prayers for 20 years. Um, that is crazy. There's a there's a guy. You were part of one of them. Excellent. Uh, actually, part of two of them. Uh, there was a guy um, when we were you and I were with my mom and dad in Padua. We were sitting uh, out in a park area, having a glass of wine and enjoying some food. It would be. And there was an African guy Spumante. who comes over to sell us some stuff. Yes. And I said, No, 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 go away. And he took offense at that. And so he came back over and he kicked over my mom's glass of wine. He was really upset. And so I had to shoo him away. Um, but I, I pray for that guy. I pray for him. I, he obviously was in a hard place. He was we, a That's right. A we refugee. were at a park. We were at a park. You remember? We were sitting in the Yeah, ground. he was a tall, thin African yes. man. And there were a lot of African immigrants who came to different parts of Italy and struggled to try to figure out how to make it. And so this guy had this little like box full of like little goodies that he would sell to tourists. And he took offense because I, I, was, I was acting like I was an Italian, not a tourist. And he took offense at that. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to pray for him. So I prayed for him for, well, that was in 1986. Uh, 1980, no, that was in 1999-ish uh, when we went there with my mom and dad. Yes. So he's another one. And then uh, do you want to hear the other ones? Uh, just, just to say, so there are other people like that that I pray for. Um, so next story. Is I that, can't believe you pray for people in a car. Twenty I should not laugh, but it's kind of funny. This is this is the this is the spirituality. But the thing is, if this is the I spirituality had, of events. You have the faith to make those prayers, like God hears them, takes them into His heart. I feel like if I had tried that, the Lord would just kind of laugh at me and say, "Yeah, good try. That's not your gift." But you stop and say, "How does God get your attention to pray for someone?" How does God get your attention to pray for yeah, someone? Usually out of desperation. There you go. Desperate so like, situation. well, there's, I know there's a certain neighbor of ours that constantly is God's getting, getting our attention to pray for her. And yeah, and there you go. So that's one way to get on the list. So I have several people that are on the list precisely because of that. So I won't go into those details. Okay. So second story, I was um, walking out in the, I, I was taking some time and just walking out, um, out on the plane down below. Now, where are we now? Are back we in, in Spain? Back in Torres. We're back in Spain, okay. August 1987. <laughs> over in Yakima or Spain. Okay. <laughs> and I was just walking out, walking down the street, just walking out like a mile away, out into just the middle of nowhere on this kind of scraggly plain kind of um, like scrub brush and um, little rocks and things. And I just said, I'm going to just turn, I'm going to walk out into the field, into this like just dirt and rocks. This is nothing there. And I just, I walked out into the field a hundred yards and then I just stopped and I looked down. And, and when I looked down, I got kind of close down on my hands and knees and there were two lines of ants that were crisscrossing each other. And as I watched them, they started to battle. And I'm like, wow, God is so creative. God has created all this immensity uh, in, in, in under the sea, in, in the forests, uh, up in the sky, on other plants, all of this life that no one will ever witness. Just 
Because God is a God of abundance. God is a God of overflow. God is a God who is so creative. And he gave me like the, the little wonder of being the only one in all of human history that got to witness these little ants that he had individually created and individually had them like going on their own little paths. What is in your coffee drink? Do you have like some <laughs> vodka or tequila? Maybe I should. Maybe if I shared these stories before we got married, would you have married me? It's just like, drinking, man. I just love this. This is this is no. what this is called philosophically. This is um, called wonder. Yes, wonder. Okay. It's standing in awe before the God of all creation, and the God of all creation who breaks into what is otherwise just a sort of a flat, ordinary existence to say, here I am. But you're awakened to it, Tom. I think that's the beautiful thing is it takes one to have the eyes to see and the mind to appreciate and the, the soul to feel and to yearn for and to desire to see that and to appreciate it. Well, and you know what? Maybe that I think it might have been that I was attuned to it more because I was. Because you hadn't eaten. Well, I had been doing the fasting, fasting and I was doing that retreat. It's totally true. And that retreat prayer, and and that was my last story. I won't even go into it. It's sort of a pr- an intimate story of encountering the Lord in a time of like contemplation, where I had this sense of the Lord like revealing Himself to me in in a really deep, intimate way. Um, in the midst of prayer, it was like a breakthrough to like a, a kind of a, a, a revelation of, of God being a God that was um, just awesome and immense. And so that happened there as well. So, all right, maybe that was the coolest story. All right, up against a break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So Carrie, I just kind of cut that last story a little bit short, but you were going to say something. Uh, well... I mean, I I think if you were journeying on this uh, time of retreat and fasting and prayer and seeking God, that he was encountering you or exposing his creation to you in a supernatural way. I mean, there are encounters that you have with people or with events where you know the Lord is showing up and it's just so palpable and so like your heart is just broken open in a beautiful, good way. And then sometimes in just a great sorrowful, like, I'm so not worthy. And I, I mean, I've had those encounters before, and it just is so beyond this world because it's just not nat, like it's just not natural. It's supernatural. It's supernatural, and and you know, you're on to something that's really beautiful and important. Um, I I do really believe that again, it's it's grace and human effort, right? As the church teaches, that growth in prayer is it's first of all and most of all a gift, but it also calls forth from us serious effort, and. I happened to have those brothers in the Lord who were in the seminary with me who were like, let's go all in. Come on, let's go all out. Let's really live in this sort of like sacrificial, like let's fast, let's pray, let's um, seek the Lord. And so having that as the lead up and then being in this community uh, for this retreat where I was praying for hours, there was this sense of the Lord saying, I, I now have you in a position where you're disposed for a new level of breakthrough or elevation or revelation of who I am. And that breakthrough happened, and there was this sense of me saying, oh, my goodness, 
the way that you're coming close to me now is something that I've only had happen to me a couple of times in my whole life, and it came purely as a, like a, a pure gift in those other occasions. And now I see the Lord showing me that this was also the result of living a certain disciplined life of prayer, that this was also accessible to me. Now, why do I bring that up? I bring that up because that was 35 years ago. And I'm like, what have I been doing? Like, I mean, that goal as compared to like losing weight or, oh, I'm going to get stronger or faster, you know, all of that. It's like, what does that compare? Like the idea that we can go deeper in our own holiness and, and have a deeper intimacy with the Lord, that like divine adventure. It's like, that's what I want. I think that is what you experience at Franciscan University when you're in household. That there is this way when we were, when I was there was walking with your sisters in Christ and keeping each other accountable and supporting each other and trying to follow God's call and vocation. And it was this adventure that you're on. It makes me jealous for... Um, those who have that kind of group to encourage each other and go and grow in that way. When we had our faith conversion growing up, it was with me and um, several of my brothers, three of them to be exact. We would spend hours just praying and reading scripture and praying and reading scripture and seeking God in just the most grace-filled way. And it was effortless. It just felt effortless. It doesn't feel effortless anymore. It feels like this is a little bit more of a burden. And, you know, now we have the weight of years of life and living faith. And I'm not exactly sure how to get to the lighter side of things, but I feel like if it was hard for us back then, how much more difficult is it for kids today with technology and for us today with the phone and how much more distracting it is. We just cannot be quiet. I cannot, you know, I can't go in the car unless I'm, I have praise music on or talk on, or I can't go do the dishes unless I, you know, have the news on or um, going somewhere. I need to call somebody. There's just this way in which there's constant noise and it doesn't necessarily mean I'm even watching a show but it's always like, I need to look this up. I wonder about this. It's just I kind of filling that. space. It's just filling mind yeah. time. So, Carrie, like, listen to the reading from the Office of Readings today. Okay. So I mentioned to you, like, okay, I typically haven't been using the Office of Readings. And so um, this story pop bubbles up from today. And today's reading was from St. Columban, um, who was a, an abbot. And, um, and the title is, You, O God, Are Everything to Us. Isn't that cool? I mean, just to hear that. Um, and so he says, you know, brothers, let us follow that vocation by which we are called from life to the fountain of life. He is the fountain, not only of living water, but of eternal life. He's the fountain of light and spiritual illumination. For from him come all these things, wisdom, life, and eternal light. The author of life is the fountain of life. The creator of light is the fountain of spiritual illumination. Therefore, let us seek the fountain of light and life and the living water by despising what we see, by leaving the world and by dwelling in the highest heavens. Let us seek these things in like rational and shrewd fish. May we drink the living water which wells up to eternal life. 
Merciful God, good Lord, I wish that you would unite me to that fountain, that there I may drink of the living spring of the water of life with those others who thirst after you. There in the heavenly region may I ever dwell, delighted with abundant sweetness, and say, How sweet is the fountain of living water, which never fails, the water welling up to eternal life. O God, you are yourself that fountain, ever and again to be desired, ever and again to be consumed. Lord Christ, always give us this water for us, to be for us the source of the living water which wells up to eternal life. I ask you for great benefits. Who does not know it? You, King of glory, know how to give great gifts, and you have promised them. There's nothing greater than you, and you bestowed yourself upon us. You gave yourself for us. Therefore, we ask that we may know what we love, since we ask nothing other than that you give us yourself. For you are our all, our life, our light, our salvation, our food, and our drink, our God. Inspire our hearts, I ask you, Jesus, with that breath of your spirit. Wound our souls with your love, so that the soul of each and every one of us may say in truth, Show me my soul's desire, for I am wounded by your love. These are the wounds I wish for, Lord. Blessed is the soul so wounded by love. Such a soul seeks the fountain of eternal life and drinks from it. Although it continues to thirst and it thirsts grows ever greater, even as it drinks. Therefore, the more the soul loves, the more it desires to love. And the greater its sufferings, the greater its healing. In this same way, may our God and Lord Jesus Christ, the good and saving physician, wound the depths of our souls with a healing wound. The same Jesus Christ, who reigns in unity with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Well, yeah, what does that speak to you as you read that, Tom? I, this, or what does it expose in your own heart? This puts into words my retreat from 35 years ago. It was, oh, I was going away and just spending a few days with some monks after spending these other days fasting and praying. No, there was this desire, passion, thirst, longing, and and this is paradoxical, meaning, oh, the more that you satiate my thirst, the thirstier I become. Like, what? Wait a minute. If I'm thirsty and the Lord fills me with a living water, then I'm no longer thirsty. No. When you love God, the more that he fills your thirst, the more you yearn for him. And it's like that, that's supernatural. And I'm like, where are those souls? Where are those souls today? Why don't we like, encounter that? Why don't we hear that? Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we pursue that? You know, it's like, and instead we settle for screen time. Yeah. And the screen time right now is so depressing. <laughs> it's just so depressing. Let's see, the border, inflation, jobs, just violence. You know, so our, our, in the month of July, we did keto. Was that right? We started July 1st or was it we June? We started June 1st. June 1st. And then we did uh, mass. We're finishing up August. I really feel like, would you be willing to do something regarding screens for September? 
Like, I just don't feel like I can get, okay, that's a grace when God calls you to that depth and that, and he calls you and brings you into place of, of communion. And But it's not something I'm not willing to seek after, but I just feel like my phone is such a, it doesn't, it fills the quiet in my mind and heart. It crowds out. It just crowds out any inner, inner voice that I hear from the Lord. Well, you know what? Let's talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carn, joined by my wife, Carrie. And if you're enjoying this program, please, I encourage you, go to mycatholicfaith.org. Check out the new website. It's been cleaned up. You can now actually get in contact with me. And by the way, if you want some free resources, and the free resource this month is on marriage, a gift from God. It's a digital download of a book I wrote um, about married life. And it's based on John Paul II's understanding of the person as gift and how that plays itself out in married life. There are also free resources there in the form of access to all of these radio programs in a podcast form called the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. Please do me a favor. It would be a great, great, great favor. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate the program, but rate it well on one of five. <laughs> Can I ask them for, to do that? Oh, actually, do that authentically. No, 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 do it anyways. Just give me a five. Rate Just the program, five. leave a good comment, um, and subscribe to it, and that will help the um, podcast get more visibility. So, um, But also, again, if you... Just simply give us an email address. We'll send you free resources each month, audio, video, podcast versions, and other. Um, you'll you'll stay in touch with the things that we're doing. You also can um, find and, and you'll be able to connect with and subscribe to our channels on Facebook and YouTube, uh, again, for more free resources. As we encourage you to just not be on your phone. <laughs> or we think oh, that's right. That's this right. is like a, it's like an opposite. I, I mean, it's interesting that I'm playing with this little silly toy. Um, you know, you you want to feed your like. I do feel like there's things I listen to that really feed my heart and mind. And I'm so grateful for some of the amazing talks I'm able to, able to listen to. But I have to do this better. We just have to figure out a way to make room for God because if we want to desire that or we want more and we know there's more. It's just too tiresome to live in the lukewarm. Um, you know what? Yeah, it's um, it's a sadness. It's a sadness. It's a real sadness. Tired of being sad. No, and I'm not saying you're lukewarm, Tom. No, uh, no. Well, so was it, uh, uh, was it David, Henry David Thoreau who said, most people live lives of quiet desperation? That was Edgar Allan Poe. No, <laughs> it's so joking. funny. I have no idea. Uh, most people live lives of quiet desperation, and in other words, there, there's just like a whole level of um, struggle and pain and difficulties that every human being experiences, no matter how wealthy they are, no matter how. Uh, I, in fact, here you talk about internet. There's this little like little video snippet from Jordan Peterson, sort of like a guru of the last few years, a internet sensation. Um, and he, who struggles with depression quite a bit. Is he a great philosopher, thinker, challenger? I think, he, I think his background is more psychology than philosophy, oh, okay. but he also, he's very clear, very articulate, and very well studied. So he ends up having like a lot of insights into sort of like fundamental human things and he's very persuasive i imagine he is he he has had a lot of influence and um like kind of cuts through the stuff 
um, and, and is not afraid to challenge very strongly. But anyways, I'm, I'm not, I don't know of any of his books or anything like that. But anyways, he, in this little snippet, he said, I know a lot of very wealthy people. And he said, wealth does a lot of things to make life easier. You know, it protects you from certain harshnesses and it gives you comfort and it does all these things that we all, you know, we know and maybe think about. And he said they have a lot of stuff accessible to them. But he said, you know what? They struggle with the same problems that everybody else I know struggles with in terms of figuring out where do I get peace? Where do I get meaning? What's my life all about? How do I overcome this painful relationship? Where do I discover a source of uh, overcoming some dark area in my life? He said, everybody struggles with that. Some people just have the means of hiding, hiding uh, or softening the, the edges that are there, but the pain is real. Hmm. And so I think that um, screens are a great diversion. Do you, I mean, I almost feel like I need to go to like a, like an AA for alcohol and AA for a, like screen time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really. No, okay. it's, it's called internet use disorder. Is it? And yeah. it's not like, okay, not, it just seems odd to be saying this, but I'm just looking around at what's happening in my own life. And I'm like, this is, I'm not able to have the peace that I would want from faith. And I, I mean, probably you were made for. Yes. And right. I just desire more. But Tom, when you just read that little thing from your breviary, that little thing, a little thing that, <laughs> that here's a message from it St. Like Columbus. It like awakened in me like, okay, man, that's not going to happen in my life unless I get my phone somewhere else. And even what though we have the for? gun safe, I, I need to do it with you or somebody. I need like to... See, this I is the funny thing. This is the funny just, thing. No. Carrie, like when you we're said... Married. You know where I'm going with this. I, hey, Tom. I know. We're married, man. <laughs> flesh is so, the flesh. Okay, Bone my, of my bone. Okay, brothers and sisters so, on the radio. Listen, I got to go, put it out there. <laughs> Carrie is really good at identifying standards and ideals that I have to pursue, like losing weight. And... Uh, and so you are really good at saying, go for it, man. I know. I'm thrilled that you're there. I Keep don't even going. recognize you. You look amazing, by the way. <laughs> you look so awesome. on the other hand, on the other hand, when it's time for you to up your game, you drag me in on all of Come it. Come on, let's do it. Let's go. So whether it's, let's go to mass every day or... Wait, that was my thing or is that, that your thing? That was your thing. You're the one that came up with it. And I'm like, of course I should do this. Well, oh. How can I say no to that? To be honest, you always are very open to do everything and anything and if i just mention it you're like okay i'll do that so it's not i drag you into it you're just more the the willing partner you're like always open well i'm kind of like oh, what you're willing to <laughs> step forward yeah okay let's go so what do you want me to do with my phone is it phone screen time let's carry let's talk how about, about this next pray week over the weekend we'll pray about it talk about it because I know you've listened to like Matt Frad had on a guest, Joe Rogan, not Joe Rogan. What was like his name? Like last month. I think they did no screens in August. But yeah, I don't know what it would look like for us. But I just am like, God has more. I want more. I'm tired of, and, and just with everything going on right now, I'm like, I just do not need yeah, to how be. How about this? God needs more from you, but he can't give it to you unless you make more room for him. That sounds not. That doesn't work with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way it works. That works for guys. I don't know. Guys is on the mission. Look, <laughs> God wants to use you on a mission, but he can't unless you spiritually kind of up your game a bit, right? And like, so for guys, I would say this. 
Do you want your kids protected from the dangers of the internet? Yes. How seriously are you willing to make a sacrifice on their behalf? And well, what are you talking about? Well, if you're willing to sacrifice your use of and access to screens, so whether that's watching videos, playing games, wasting time on screens, if you're willing to cut that back seriously and significantly, God will honor that and will diminish some of the attachment and desire that your kids have for the phone. That's the level of involvement and influence you have over their lives spiritually in a hidden fashion that your kids won't even realize. Yes. I mean, it could be just not have the phone and just when I have to get emails, I just come down and use the computers down here. You know, because I could, I I think it's really tempting just to make up all sorts of excuses as to why I need it. But there must be like some group I could join. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll figure this out. I'm going to start brainstorming it. Well, no, and that's good. It's like, but do you know what it was? Is that this internet use disorder, it, it shows up in this diagnostics and statistics manual, whatever it was, that, that the DSM-4 or 5, whatever, they're proposing to include in it a new addiction um, called internet use disorder. And um, the, the place where it was first showing up was with which like stream of internet users? Pornography. No. Uh, video uh, game players. Video okay. game players. Watching chess. <laughs> yeah. Watching poker. So video game players <laughs> would um they would they would track what happens when you would take away the device and how agitated do they become? Right? How how disturbed are they and peacefully are they able to move forward if they can't access the video game again? And so they have this like whole matrix of here are the manifestations of it where it becomes that serious, more serious. But then as you read them, you know what it sounds like now? Mm-mm. Those that are on internet, social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. and you know YouTube and Facebook and or binge watching videos or following latest notifications mm-hmm. on whatever, whatever on the apps that you're using. Uh, all of those things now because of the greater insights into not only like physiological impacts like serotonin, but the way that that is tied into the smart social media platforms that keep buzzing you with the things they put into your feeds. Yes. Right. You remember the social dilemma. Yes. That was very good. That doc kind of quasi documentary they put out there. That was really striking. Yes. And kind of, you forget it and just kind of move on to the next thing. Yeah. So Carrie, I love it. So part of our month of greatness moving into September will be, let's do something about screen time. I'm in. I'm okay. ready to go. So let's let's pray about that. Hey, folks, maybe that's something that can stir in you. It's, hey, let's thank God for St. Columban. Let's thank God for the Office of Readings. <laughs> let's thank God for little Petra that we're praying for and that guapo guy, I don't know his name. Uh, <laughs> in the car that cool? that's 25,000 feet. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to see them in heaven. And I, I am know. just going to just be I, your so faith cool. Is great, Tom. So cool. They're going to say, it'll all be revealed that they were in that car. And it's just like, wow. All right, that's how crazy I am. All right, God bless you guys. <laughs> Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight. Take care.